Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You are listening to episode 20 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of all the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Del Rey Books. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Teresa. Hey, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Really excited about this episode tonight. Me too. We've done 20 episodes in one year, which means we've done extra yeah, we uh, we were supposed to only be a monthly podcast, so I guess if we did 20 episodes, that means we gave our listeners eight bonus episodes. I'm sure they like that. <laughs> <laughs> or if I was a listener, I would like that. But we have some guests on with us today. Aaron, why don't you introduce them for us? Well, I'm really excited about the guests we have on tonight because they're currently their podcast is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Um, I will have to say, when the podcast started, when I first heard about it, um, I was a little skeptical that they were going to already be recording episodes about a show that wasn't coming out for quite a while, but after I started listening to the episodes, I got hooked. So I'm really excited to have on Pete Morrison and Andy Yuri from Rebels Report. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us on, Andy, uh, Aaron and Teresa. It's very nice to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our show, Pete. We're just guests right now. Uh, uh, yes, hi, I'm Andy. Uh, I'm co-host of Rebels Report with Pete. Uh, and really happy to be here, guys, on your one-year anniversary. Congratulations on making this far, because it's very hard sometimes to keep a podcast going, and it's really good to be here on that one-year anniversary. It's a very special time, I bet. Yeah. Oh, it is. But we know it's hard, but it, you know the consistency is one thing we've tried to keep. So I think we've done a decent job. You guys have done a great job, and I look forward to the second year of this Expanded Universe talk. Hopefully there's actually some books to talk about this year. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, we're actually have you guys on for a particular reason because we do want to talk some Rebels today. We, you know, Rebels is an animated television show, and we typically wouldn't be, you know, talking too much about it. But we wanted to have an excuse to talk about it since it's kind of all in the news right now. So we wanted to have you guys on and and talk about some stuff. So we will be getting to that in just a few minutes. So today is our. Uh, first anniversary. It is almost exactly a year since our first episode aired, which was uh, February 25th of 2013. So within our first few episodes of our first few episodes, our first year of episodes, we had interviews with Alexander Freed, John Jackson Miller, Justin Acklin, Zach Gialongo, and we had some exclusive audio from Joe Schreiber. So that was all really cool. And it was really exciting to get to talk to all those people. And I think we have some really cool stuff lined up for our second year. So yay. Yeah, we've made some good contacts with some other authors that we haven't had on the show yet, but have agreed to come on the show. So we definitely have more interviews lined up. And that was one of the things we wanted to do with this podcast when we first started it. You know, some of our, our goals were, you know, we wanted to have author interviews and we also wanted to have great guests from the fan community. You know, that was part of what we wanted to do is bring these fans together so we can talk about Star Wars books and Star Wars comics. So in the first year, almost every episode that we had, we actually had a guest from the, the fan community. Um, so we had a lot of a lot of great guests, you know, I'll kind of just run down the list. If you, you know, if you're a first time listener to the show, definitely go back and listen to some of our episodes from this previous year because we've had a ton of great guests and like Teresa just said, you know, some awesome interviews. But uh, we have, we've had Josh Stolt from Techno Retro Dads, James Floyd from Club Jade, Eric Geller from The Force Cast, Mark Herleman from Star Wars Beyond Films, Trisha Barr from Teresa's podcast, Fangirls Going Rogue. We've had Gerilyn Bray from Roku Depot. Uh, we even got Jimmy Mack to come on here from Rebel Force Radio. Megan Krause from Fangirl Blog. William Devereaux from EU Cantina and the upcoming Far Far Away Radio. And Dan Curto from Star Wars Collectors Cast. So we've had quite a list of, of fans that have come on to, to talk books and comics with us. Yeah, you skipped your buddy. Adam Farmer. Yeah, because I realized that's from a Doctor Who podcast. Nobody that's cares okay. about that. That's okay. We've had Adam, too. He's from Bad Wolf Radio, which is Aaron's other podcast, which is all about Doctor Who. Free plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So something we have going on for our one-year anniversary is actually a really cool book giveaway. We've posted about this already on our Facebook page as well as through Twitter and Star Wars Books. The Delray Facebook page has been posting it too, but we'll mention it here. We have four copies of um, Honor Among Thieves, which is the next book in the Empire and Rebellion series by James S.A. Corey. Um, we have four copies of it to give away, thanks to Delray Books. They, they're sponsoring our giveaway. So we have different ways that you can enter. You can get three entries, one by Twitter, one by Facebook, and one via email. There's a YouTube video that's up that'll give you the instructions on how to do it, or you can just head over to our Facebook page. Um, for Twitter, all you need to do is just mention us in a tweet or retweet one of our tweets, and that will give you an entry there. And then on Facebook, just comment on one of our posts or just write on our Facebook page. That will give you your second entry. And then your third one, that's the one you kind of need to do. That's the email. So you'll want to email starwarsbookworms at gmail.com with your name, your uh, mailing address, and then also something about the show that you like, something that you'd like for us to change, something that you'd like for us to review, something like that. So those are your three ways to get entered. And um, we've had a lot of uh, response from it and a lot of entries. So, you know, hurry up and get in so you can win a free copy of this book. comes out on March 4th, so it's not too far away. And the contest ends on uh, the last day that you can enter is March 6th, and we will announce the winner on March 7th. And like Teresa said, we've gotten a ton of entries already. I haven't counted them yet, but I know we're over, well over 100 entries. And um, we've been getting a lot of great feedback in the emails that you guys have been sending us, so we really appreciate that. The feedback that we've been getting, I think I said this, Teresa, before, if all of the people that sent us awesome feedback on our emails were leaving us iTunes reviews, we'd be the most popular podcast on iTunes right now. <laughs> I know. So if you're listening to this and you haven't left us an iTunes review, please, 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 please go do that. Um, it will really help so that people can find us. I just wanted to say that if they're listening to the podcast, they need to enter that giveaway because that book is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Oh, you, you finished it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have it sitting here on my desk, but I have not cracked it open yet. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's it's a really good ride. I really enjoyed it. So so is it like uh, Razor's Edge? Is it a lot like that, or is it a completely different feel? I think it's a, it's a much better book. Um, I think they captured the voice of Han pretty much perfectly and the new character scarlet hark that's in it is a lot of fun so um if you enjoyed sort of the the han Solo vibe from the original trilogy and from some of the early eu stuff i think you'll really dig the book nice so part of our anniversary episode is we got an exclusive early review of honor among thieves from pete morrison <laughs> but enough about us let's get into our discussion topic the reason we brought you guys on today we wanted to talk about some Star Wars Rebels. And you guys are kind of the the experts on, on such things right now, at least in my opinion. And the way that we kind of spin this so we can talk about it on an Expanded Universe podcast is we're kind of look at some Expanded Universe characters that may be similar to the Rebels characters mm -hmm. that have been announced. Maybe they didn't inspire the Rebels characters, but we definitely see some similar similarities in them. So to kick off the conversation, let's kind of we'll we'll kind of go down the list of the the six uh, heroes that that have been announced. We will go in a different order than they were announced uh, because. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> some people took issue with the order they were announced in, so we will some we will people, mix it up. You can you can call me out. It's fine. You can call me out on it. No, it's I'm, not. There's nothing wrong with that. I've, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just I'm just mentioning it. Well, it's fair. It's fair to say that uh, that I'm the one one of the people that had an issue with it, considering I've been so vocal about it. If you want to know more, please go visit Jedi News, or just go to her Twitter feed, or my Twitter <laughs> feed, or Fangirls Going Rogue the Facebook page, and done. <laughs> <laughs> so we will start with the uh, we'll, we're going to start with a guy though, because guys are the best. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, burn. Uh oh. So, Kanan, what did you guys think about Kanan? The first, you know, kind of your first impressions when he was first announced. Uh, we'll start with the Rebels reports, guys. Well, the, I'm kind of. I had kind of mixed feelings about Kanan when he was first announced. It's some of his design is really cool, and some of it seems very like sort of Disney. Like the the modern fairy tales Disney's been doing lately with like Tangled. 
Um, that's why it sort of struck out to me as it looks very similar, like in a character wise, um, that sort of cool, the goatee, the dark hair, the sort of roguish looking guy. Um, but I was really, I thought the armor that he has is awesome. And I was really digging the lightsaber. He's got a really different designed lightsaber than what you see sometimes. Um, it's not the sort of silver or black. It's got a little bit of color to it. It's got sort of a samurai katana blade style, but he also has the blaster. So it's, it's really interesting to see where the character is going to go. Um, I like the the design of the character, and I'm really curious to see where they're going to sort of take his story about where he came from as a Jedi. Just how well-trained was he? Was he a Padawan? Um, how close was he to knighthood? How much does he know about the Force? And how did he survive Order 66 when so many others didn't? And in the EU, so many others did. Yeah. <laughs> Every well, other Jedi. <laughs> well, and I'd love to know how you guys were saying his name before we got the video uh, that said how to say his name. <laughs> well, because we do a, uh, like you mentioned earlier, we do a podcast before the show was even announced. So we were, we're dealing with a lot of ambiguity and we're dealing with a lot of, a lot of things we don't know how to pronounce. So we were pronouncing it as, what was it, Canaan? No, now I say it right. Okay, now I say it right. Kanan is how we were always pronouncing it. Kanan rhymes with Han, going in that mindset of original trilogy. So, hey, got an on at the end, so Kanan. But, of course, it's Kanan, much different than what we had expected. And I thought, I think, I thought the pronunciation of Kanan might have been a little too on the nose to the biblical reference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they might go away a little bit from that in the pronunciations. That's why I was sort of going towards the Kanan. But I always posit that pronunciations of names in Star Wars always vary because they vary in the films. And whenever George Lucas would pronounce something, he'd pronounce it differently. So I think we're on safe ground. I think we're okay. How are you saying it? I, I think I was saying it like I think I was saying it like Kanan, like you guys, like elongating the A's. I'm not sure. I was definitely Cannon. saying, I was either going between Canon or Canaan, and I I kind of made the correlation with the biblical reference as well because of all the Sunday school classes I went to when I was a kid. But um, yeah, so I thought it was interesting that they used uh, the name Canaan and then also another name Ezra, which both you know could be yeah. tied back to the Bible. So it was like, oh, that's interesting if that's a coincidence, or maybe that was, you know, whoever was coming up with the names was trying to purposely reference that. I don't know. So bringing it to the EU, my initial impression of Kanan when he was first announced was immediately reminding me to Cade Skywalker of Legacy. Um, The goatee is one of them. But the main thing that really kind of had the parallels was the fact that you had your hero that started off um, surviving a purge, in this case the Jedi purge in both instances. Uh, Then went on the the run wielding blasters instead of lightsabers hiding from the empire uh in both uh, in both universes you got the create empire in one you know you got the sidious empire in the other uh and then when our series starts rebels and legacy they have to pick up their blade again and they have to bring the fight back to the empire so that just I know Pete mentioned that it's a very that's what you've seen in a lot of western hit like, stories is the they have to finally realize who they are and fight for for good. But I really did see the parallel between the two goatees, the two goatee Jedi, uh, Kanan and Cade Skywalker, are the two that really stood out to me. Yeah, I didn't make the Cade connection. I made kind of the obvious connections right off the bat with uh, Das Janir and Jax Pavan. Um, did you guys read the Dark Times comics? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so Das Janir... You know, he's kind of the same idea. He he survived Order 66 and was on the run. So that's, you know, kind of an obvious connection there. And then Jax Pavan from the from the Coruscant Knights novels, kind of the same story. So it's definitely not the first time we're seeing this, you know, especially if you're looking at the EU. The first It's not the first time we're seeing a Jedi who has survived Order 66 and kind of on the run and, you know, may have to hide the fact that they're a Jedi. Uh, the, the whole samurai look also reminded me of Kota. Um, of General Coda of The Force Unleashed, the fact that he kind of has that similar look. And he was one of the key members of essentially creating a rebel group that fought the Empire. He had his own little militia that took on the Empire. So I'm, I don't know if we're going to see that with Kanan, but they at least had the same look. Yeah, that's what sort of the visually that sort of triggered me. But one of the things I was thinking about yesterday um, was kind of an inverse EU and the Clone Wars comparison. And 
depending on where they go with the story, it sort of reminds me, it could be potentially a mirror image of Asajj Ventress' story, where you have a partially trained Jedi, a partially trained Force-sensitive who loses their master when they're very young, and then she went on a dark path, and we have Kanan who seems to be going on a light path. So it's sort of like, it could be like the different sides of the same coin. But that's dealing with ambiguity in the sense that we don't know if he was fully trained or not. We, or was well, he a Padawan at the end of uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith era, or was he full Jedi Knight? I do a lot of assuming and supposition. If you guys listen to our show, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and in in their in their uh, in the video, uh, Dave Floyd does say when they're talking in the Ezra video, talking about Kanan that he ha- he's not going to be able to uh, reclaim his like basically destiny and become a Jedi Knight without Ezra. He specifically says become a Jedi Knight. So I'm thinking that he he didn't attain that level before. Yeah, and based on his age, or at least what I am assuming his age would be at this time, and if if that much time has passed, he would have been pretty young, I would think, at Order 66, which makes me think that he was most likely a Padawan. Right, but he would have had to have been off-world, essentially, with whoever his master was in order to survive, unless somehow he made it out of the temple, which... I don't know. I mean, I guess I just assume that that Anakin slash Darth Vader killed everybody that was in the temple, even though we only see him go into that one little room. But I guess I just it's, assume he gets everyone. Well, if you, there's a couple of things. If you've played Battlefront 2, you go in there as a clone and you kill pretty much everyone. And then so nobody escapes. But we did see Shakti survived the temple. It's very tricky with Shakti's fate, how she's like how she survived that. But she was in the temple at the time of the attack. We did read her in the novel, and then somehow she makes it to Force Unleashed. Sure, we're all dealing with whether or not this is still canon. but um, And then you also had even Peel, which is a very touchy subject, but he did survive the uh, the Jedi Temple as well. So hypothetically, Kanan could have been one of the Jedi to survive, but you're probably looking at Commander Jarrus, who was out in the Outer Rim maybe on a solo mission with a, a clone or something, and then was able to defend or fight his way out, or maybe he wasn't even with clones. True, but you know what I noticed is that on the Blu-ray version of the um, of Revenge of the Sith, there's a deleted scene where Anakin apparently kills Shakti, um, mm-hmm. which I've, I have, still haven't seen it, but I, I you know, noticed it when I was looking at the little book, and I went, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> There's actually two deaths on the, that have been deleted. There was the General Grievous stabbing Shakti in the back on the invisible hand. And then there was the death of, well, Anakin stabbing her in the back in the temple. And then there is her surviving and being stabbed in the back by Starfleet. <laughs> not stabbed, but... So I think the two deaths in the deleted scenes are not considered official. Right. And Revenge of the Sith. I think the... You know, if you're just going to go by the EU, I think the Starkiller death is is currently the way that she died until that gets overwritten by something else. But I think that's what you would consider. I don't know. I guess you can't use the word canon anymore when you're referring to EU. But that's the current way that she died. Yeah, so let's move on past canon. Um, or canon. See, I even said his name wrong. <laughs> So we'll move on to the uh, to the last person that they announced, the most recent, which would be Hera, who is the Twi'lek. I think this character looks really awesome. I'm actually really looking forward to, you know, learning more about this character. Um, a lot of people are pointing out that, you know, it's awesome to see that they have this Twi'lek who is not portrayed as, you know, overly sexy or a dancer or those kind of things. But I think in in the expanded universe, especially that we've had plenty of characters that were of the Twi'lek species that w- weren't necessarily portrayed that way. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so it's not That's a first. exactly what I thought, too, because when people were saying, oh, Twi'leks are only sexualized, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, What about uh, well, Ayla Secura and uh, Zian? I think that's how you pronounce her. Um, there's all these je- these all these Twi'leks in the expanded universe that are complete badasses and aren't even wearing that skimpy clothing either, so... I think it's funny how you guys are the ones talking about the skimpy clothing, and I'm going, eh, skimpy clothing's okay. (laughs) I don't mind skimpy clothing. It's just a lot of people were bringing up the fact that that's the way that Twi'leks are always portrayed, and, you know, 
kind of like what Andy was saying, that's definitely not the the case. You know, if you read the expanded universe, maybe if you're looking at just the movies, then maybe that's something that is the case. But definitely in the expanded universe, we we get lots of other characters. I gotta confess, I was one of the people that pointed that out because I was thinking more in terms of the visuals that we see, um, mm-hmm. and what we see on the TV shows and in the movies. And there is a there is a rather stark contrast to what you see in the books and what you actually see on the screen. That's why the books are so great. You know, <laughs> it expands the universe. Well, and here's the thing: like, I think female Twi'leks are like the sexy species of the entire universe, and I love that. You know, but you can do it too with them without you know the clothes aspect, just because they come in so many colors and they're. Faces are usually always really pretty. I mean, my Old Republic character is a Twi'lek, and I did up her face and, like, her makeup and everything, and she looks awesome. (laughs) So, I don't know. I just don't have a problem with the skimpy clothing. But it's kind of funny because Ayla Secura, she, in the films and stuff, she has a certain look to her. And then even in some of the comics, she has, you know, a very over-sexualized look to her, but it doesn't take away from how awesome she is. Um, It's sort of like in the Clone Wars, she moves past her sexualization, I guess you could call it. So she's one of my favorites. And then I've always loved Twi'leks. And then Hera, I just think she's going to be awesome. I like everything about her. And Vanessa Marshall is amazing. She's such a great voice actress. And I also love, I'm going to point it out right now, how some of these voice actors are getting involved with the fan community already. I think that's fantastic. Definitely. So the, the, thing you, the fact that you mentioned uh, Ayla is, I don't know if you remember, I forget which issue it was. I think it was Republic 51. Uh, where we see Ayla Sakura undercover discovering the threat against Kamino. Um, and you see her wearing that very similar look that, that we see with Hera, with the, uh, I, it was kind of like her mechanic look. She had the goggles up on her head. She had the, uh, I like to call them shorts for on her leku, because it's like somebody took some shorts and put it on her head. And it's that very similar look to what Hera looks like. So it's that, I don't know, it looks really cool. Yeah, it's very it's similar enough that I almost wonder if if that image was almost was maybe used for reference when they were creating the character of Hera because it's so close. However, you do see Ayla Sakura six pack, which you don't see uh, Hera's at all. <laughs> maybe well, she doesn't have one. She doesn't no, have time she... to be doing crunches with all the piloting that she has to do. <laughs> but some other characters in the EU that kind of that it made me think of at least when we first saw Hera were um, uh, Mission Veo mm-hmm. and Larenth from the uh, was it the Coruscant Knights books mm-hmm. and then Tefith from the Old Republic comics and Old Republic Annihilation so yeah some of, some of these other you know Twi'lek kind of more tough girl characters that kind of fit that mold and the one that Yakface uh, brought up was Cece uh, Erris. I can't even pronounce her name, but she was from the X-Wing uh, comics. I know her from the X-Wing comics very briefly, uh, but she was actually a pilot, uh, green skin, just the same. And uh, it's good to see that we have other alliance because it's kind of like the I bet you Hera's going to be involved with the creation of maybe Rogue Squadron, maybe have a huge part in the uh the raid on the income factory and taking the X-Wings. So if they're using her jumper and her look as the basis for what we're going to see for the starfighter battalions or the starfighter groups of, uh, of the rebel Alliance, it's nice to see that later on when you go to the X-Wing series, that there's another Twi'lek who's probably, is probably very familiar with who Hera was as one of the creators of the Alliance and lives up to that. Huh? That would be interesting. Has anyone gone back and looked at those episodes of the Clone Wars on Ryloth to see if we see her as a little girl? We don't. Yes. No. We don't. <laughs> no. Well, there's there's only one real possibility if we saw her. And this is kind of way doesn't it seems like it strains logic a little too much. But it it could be possible that it is Numa. They're both green skinned Twi'leks. The age would probably fit. Um, but it's a different totally different name. And in the in the shows on Ryloth, we do see Numa with an uncle who's not Cham Syndulla. Um, so it's possible there's some connection there. They could be some kind of relatives, but it it seems like a little bit stretching it. 
I still like the Clone Wars tie-in though. I like it a lot. Well, and the thing that always the thing that sort of popped up to me when we first heard it was that um, I believe it was Pablo at New York Comic Con said that the name of the ship, the Ghost, had specific significance, and we know that the clone troopers that are actually involved in Ryloth on the Clone Wars were part of Ghost Company, and so that they saved Numa's life. We got Fixer and Boyle or Waxer and Boyle, and uh, they also helped liberate the planet. So if there is some tie to her, and she is a Sandula, it would make sense that that group of clones would be particularly close to her heart and would be something that she might name her ship after and that blows my mind that's (laughs) so like just something so small could actually have an effect to just something as big as the name of our ship there's one other non-twi'lek sort of eu character that i'd like to throw throw at you guys see what you think and if she might be similar to Hera, and that's going to be corn horn's wife you know mirix we got we got a sort of it seems like the motherly but also the tough sort of independent pilot shipper. Um, and that's sort of something that's sort of sticking in my head right now. Now that you bring that up, I can see that. Well, let's move on to another character that I don't think is going to be one of my favorites. And that is going to be Ezra, who apparently is the main character of Rebels. Um, what did you guys think about him when he was first announced? Did it look like it's the type of character that you would be excited to watch on this show? I'm not interested in Ezra. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I wasn't impressed. How about that? Save my judgment for when I see the show. But having another child, very kid-like, I, nothing about him impressed me. I know Pete was talking about him being like a young Han Solo. And sure, if you could pull that off, maybe have him be a bit more uh, roguish. But I don't know. I don't know what to think of him yet. Well, it actually made me think of, I don't remember, I can see the image in my head, but I'm not sure where it comes from. Maybe you guys can help me with this. Is it in the the Gindi Clone Wars where we see like a Han Solo at the very end, like kind of watching things? Because doesn't he get, doesn't there, there's some like little boy that gets helped by Mace Windu? Oh, that was on Dantooine. Okay. No, that was a little little boy with, uh, he kind of had like the similar hat, I think, as Luke Skywalker had. No, that was uh, on Dantooine. Okay, yeah, I don't know. That's the image that popped in my head when they introduced us to Ezra. So I don't, I, I know that has nothing to do with anything, but that's just what popped into my head. I'm kind of with Andy. Like this character, there's certain characters that they've announced that I'm really excited to to learn more about and see them in action. And Ezra is one of the least interesting to me. There's actually two characters that, out of the six, there's two that I don't find that interesting, and he's one of them. And we'll get to the other one later. And I think it might <laughs> Teresa might not like the fact that I don't like this character. But <gasps> oh my god, oh. No. <laughs> no! But there's, and I think maybe it's because of the age that they're portrayed at. They're, they're younger characters, and maybe I won't be able to relate with them as much. But um, yeah, so Ezra to me so far. But I mean, I'm just ju- I'm just basing this on the very little that we've gotten. So you never know. You know, <laughs> he could be completely different than what we expect, and I might end up loving him. You know, kind of like when. Uh, Ahsoka was first announced yep. in the Clone Wars. You know, I really wasn't that interested in her character either. And then by the end of it, I just she's one of the the best characters you know ever. So, and and that's the thing that I'd bring up, Aaron, is that if you look at the original trilogy as well as the Clone Wars, we had the main character Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy and Ahsoka Tano in the Clone Wars introduced, and they're not really that likable of characters when we first meet them. Luke is kind of whiny. Ahsoka was just kind of obnoxious, and there's a definite character arc that you get as the characters mature and. They become more interesting. They become deeper. And you actually do get fans rooting for them. And my biggest worry with Ezra is going to be kind of too over the top to try to make him cool. It's going to be kind of like that Poochie from The Simpsons scenario. Um, but I, I got to sort of take a wait and see attitude because I did like the brief clips of voice acting we got from Taylor Gray. It sounded like he was doing a rather good job. I liked his tonation and how he was speaking and stuff. So I'm sort of going to reserve judgment and see how it goes. And he is the same age as Luke and Leia were at that time, 14. So we have another four or five years until A New Hope. I really do think he's going to grow up and he's going to... I'm I'm giving Dave Filoni and the team the benefit of the doubt that Ezra is going to start off as your, uh, like Ahsoka, someone you, you don't really care for at the beginning, you're kind of annoyed with, but then they'll grow into somebody incredibly uh, powerful and uh, we all come to just love and root for. Because he's going to be the star of our series, so it's got to be somebody you want to get behind. And I think Ezra's going to 
going to fill that shoes maybe later on. Maybe not right away, but later on, I bet. Yeah, I'm not super excited for him either, but we'll see what happens. He does have a really cool slingshot, though. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it's very Hunger Games. Very <laughs> Hunger Games. It is? Oh, yeah. That whole um, the Ignite trailer had a very strong Hunger Games feel to it. Um, a lot of people noticed it. That Didn't notice it till somebody told me. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess so. Yeah, sure. I was the same way. Like, I, I mean, I saw it, and I, I think it kind of, you know, went through my head. But then when some people made the points about it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we'll see. I couldn't think of any EU characters that reminded me of Ezra. If any, you know, if you guys have anything, chime up. But, you know, maybe Han Solo from, you know, the, the Han Solo novels, the younger Han Solo would be a good comparison but you know other than that i couldn't really think of anybody yeah there there wasn't any that sort of popped out to me besides the han solo comparison just because of the sort of street urchin thing aladdin (laughs) is he an eu character now now he is (laughs) (laughs) him and flynn rider yeah right characters now that's the next novel that uh del rey's working on actually i think we we, because we didn't have at least in the books we don't have a lot of sort of young kid characters that are in that sort of same mold we had a lot we had some like anakin solo who was like very powerful very like sort of sure of himself and then we have others sort of like uh oh what was her name what was the name from of the girl from uh, dark rendezvous oh, man. my brain is oh failing. oh you can't ever pronounce her name it was like uh scout she went by the nickname scout oh what scout was, yeah yeah who was very cool and like but very underpowered she was like a really poor jedi <laughs> So we had we don't have a lot of young kid characters sort of in the in the EU of that sort of sort. All right, well we'll move on to the next one then. I get you, to do it. Go ahead. Okay. Um. So. The, <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next character is a young Mandalorian, and it's a girl, which is awesome, and she has pink armor and really cool splatter paint all over the place, and her name is Sabine, and she has cool hair, and I'm excited. Can you tell? <laughs> This is the part where I admit that I'm not that excited about this character. Oh, I'd throw things at you if I could. The whole the whole like graffiti artist thing just seems so time it's so like dated to me. Like I didn't realize that was still like a cool thing that youth did. And it just there's something about her doing that and being kind of this spunky girl just doesn't fit to me with what I would expect from a Mandalorian. So I really want to know like her history and her past and like how I don't know. I think my my view of the Mandalorians is very much painted by the expanded universe. So I kind of see them as this, you know, this noble race and, you know, for the most part, very serious and all about honor and things like that. So when I see a character like her, it just doesn't fit that mold for me. Like well, if, when when I first heard about her, like when I first saw the announcement and it was a graffiti artist immediately we just thought wait a minute are we really trying to bring it down to this level where we're trying to get the young kids and trying to be hip and and interesting is that how we're going to go with it um but then you think about it and well this is the early days of the rebellion and you'll need people to uh you're going to have people who are going to tag the place and they're going to somebody's got to do it somebody's got to put the rebellion uh phoenix and somebody's got to cross out the stormtroopers and why not get the demolitions expert as well to do that. I think she's going to be a bit of a, a vandal. She's going to be vandalizing property and she's going to be blowing up TIE fighter factories. So I can see her as being like, a, like she does her own thing, but she's going to be really tough at it. So, and I, I think it's really interesting that you're going to, in this period of time, we're going to be dealing with a ton, a ton of propaganda. And it makes sense that you're going to have a character that's going to directly challenge that propaganda um, and I guess a spray paint to the poster or spray paint to the stormtrooper is kind of an easy way to do that. Um, and I, I might take a little, a slightly different view of the Mandalorians than Aaron does. I love the way the culture was built up in the expanded universe. Um, but I, I don't have trouble seeing, uh, like the warrior poet, the warrior artist sort of strain of that culture coming out. And if you're a rebellious youth, I can see that turning into sort of the graffiti artist type. Um, but I think she has a, a very cool look overall um, with the Rebel logo, with her customized armor, with the, oh man, guys, help me out. What's the dog on her shoulder? 
Embo's dog. What kind of dog is that? It's Americ is the name of the dog. Thank Anuba. A, Anuba, right. Thank you. With the Anuba on her shoulder. And then I'm really curious about the checkerboard pattern on her other shoulder plate. I know. It's I, almost like she went to the van store and got... Well, <laughs> <laughs> now, Aaron or Teresa, can if we're going back to the EU, didn't Wedge Antilles have a checkerboard pattern painted on his X-Wing during the X-Wing series as tribute to his parents' gas station? Or am I remembering that wrong? I don't remember. I don't In fact, re- I recall will, that either. I think I've already outed myself on this show before, so I don't mind doing it again. But I have not actually read the X-Wing novels yet. Me either. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on that and say I have all the comics and I've never even looked at them. I See, I seem to remember. It's sort of sticking in the back of my head, but like with like 200 Star Wars books on my bookshelf, it's kind of hard to actually remember <laughs> where what comes <laughs> from sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about her past. I want to know, you know, kind of how she joined them, why she's not still, you know, on Mandalore, like what happened to the Mandalorian culture from what we saw in the the Clone Wars where we kind of see the the people who were in the armor actually were, you know, a very much a minority on, you know, that planet. And so like how how did she attain her armor? You know, what's the story behind the you know the the fact that she's she has pink armor. Was there a whole group of pink armored Mandalorian girls that she's a part of? Like, you know, is she have any relation to characters that we already know? So I think there there is definitely potential for this character, but so far what they've shown me so far, I'm not that I'm not that uh, interested in her yet. But I'm I'm gonna keep my mind open. There's definitely significance to her night owl helmet, similar to the design of Bo-Katan and her her group of um, her group of Mandalorians. So the helmet is something we've never seen before that the Clone War. So it's definitely element taken from out of that. Um, but she doesn't have the true Mandalorian armor. She doesn't have the entire, I'm going to go Beskar Gam here. Uh, she doesn't have the entire armor. She has just, just the helmet and it looks like maybe just the chest plate and that's about it. Everything else just might be taken from maybe, uh, other, other armor or she just put it together I don't know then if she really does come from Mandalorian then. Maybe she just scavenged the helmet. Because we have well, seen from uh, images in the video that she is a scavenger. I think there's a picture of her scavenging through some uh, helmets and, and things like that. So she pro- she might have not even is a true Mandalorian. But you, Dave but Filoni we know, says she's a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah that's so what she's saying. a Mandalorian. <laughs> she is a Mandalorian by what he says, but it's just is she a true, like what we've seen and before in the EU? Well, maybe she's a baby Mandalorian and she had earned her helmet and like part of her armor, but she hadn't earned the rest of it or whatever. And there's no saying that her armor is going to stay pink. She could paint it another color. So <laughs> I she hope she tie dyes herself. Handy. Now, do you, do you guys happen to think that she's part of the, uh, uh, how do I pronounce this? Crazy clan? Is she, is she a relative Christ, of Satine? Christ? Satine and Bo-Katan. Christ. Is Sabine a little too close to Satine? Man, I don't know. It is very close, and it makes you think that maybe there's a connection, but I I feel like there's not. She doesn't look like them to me. She doesn't like, have to look like them. I know, but you, you would think if they were going to tie it in that they would have made her maybe look a little bit more like them, but I don't know. They it could be. They were also going for diversity in the show, probably. <laughs> Considering her voice is a minority and she's not white, she's orange. So I don't know what you call that in Star Wars races. I thought she, I, for a moment there, I thought she was kind of like a, a Mary Allen, I think is how you pronounce it, like mm-hmm. Vera Sophie. Yeah. Um, sure, she doesn't have the tattoos, but I know in the Old Republic, I think you can get away without tattoos in that character. So it's not like, uh, it's something that the, char- the, the species, they earn their tattoos. They put the tattoos on when they complete something in life. So she could be of that species and hasn't gotten the tattoos yet, but I think somebody from Lucasfilm, it might have been Matt Martin, said that she's not. She's not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he confirmed that she's not. So I'm yeah. thinking human. Yeah, probably going to be a human. I mean, we have enough humans already. So. And I think the skin tone is it on all the characters so far has been inconsistent depending on what image you see them in. So I, it's it can be kind of confusing because you see one image of her and she looks like she has like this yellowish skin. Another image looks like she has orange skin. Another image she looks like she has more just tan skin. So it's definitely um, I'd like to see kind of the final 
you know, on TV, what all these characters look like, just to kind of see what the different tones really are. Now, we need to refresh my memory here, but uh, do we remember what happens with Mandalore once the Empire takes over? Um, Because I do know by the time Return of the Jedi comes around, it's under occupation of the Empire. So if, say, Sabine comes from Mandalore, she could have been driven out of the world from the occupation and then it's now in a point where she has to she she has like a personal grudge against the empire she wants to take the fight to them and her way of doing that maybe she got stuck on Lothal and has to fight on there i'm not sure about all the expanded years especially the early marvel comics that they deal with um but in some of the later books at least the empire strip mined mandalore to get after the uh, mandalorian iron so they laid basically um, environmental waste to most of the planet by just strip mining all the Beskar out of there. And that would totally destroy your planet. So if I would live on that planet, I'd be pretty pissed off at the people who did that. But when we leave, when we see it last on the screen in the Clone Wars, it's basically still in the state of civil war. Um, and the intimation is that the Obi-Wan is going back to the Republic and there's going to be a Republic invasion to basically settle things. But we don't actually see that ever happen on screen. That Republic invasion could easily turn into an imperial, imperial. invasion, which then mm-hmm. turns into an imperial occupation. Definitely. Yep. So sticking with theme, EU characters uh, that you think maybe remind you of Sabine, if any. I don't really have any other than the one that you pointed out, which was um, Murda Gev. I'm trying to think of the the Mandalorian's name, but not that she was an artist, but there was a in the Karen Travis's novels one of the ARC troopers is injured and he falls in love with a Mandalorian girl and she nurses him back to health and she's a tough warrior. And it'd be kind of neat if there's some, some kind of little tie to Clan Skirata somewhere in there as well. I wouldn't mind that showing up. Don't hold your breath. Not going to happen, <laughs> but still. It's my favorite. But I think she's a unique character, that's for sure. You've definitely never seen a Mandalorian quite like this, so that's definitely bonus points for her. So next character, we'll talk about Zeb. I'm not going to say his full name because I don't have it typed out here. But That's um, okay. Only his mom knows it. <laughs> he is uh, the character that is, it seems like, has it been confirmed that he's definitely based on the Ralph McQuarrie? Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Definitely, yeah. It, he is based on the early Chewbacca art of, okay. by Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah, so that's um, you know that's Zeb. He he was kind of portrayed as the, the muscle of the group. Um, but also intellectual. Um, I definitely had a hard time trying to think of characters in the EU that that kind of fit that that mold. Um, well, it's not really EU, but it definitely reminds you of Chewbacca in that sense, that it's the uh, the tough muscle of the group. Uh, and when he, they mentioned that he's an honor guard as well, uh, and that kind of reminds me, maybe not so much in the EU, but like somebody getting knighted in, in modern world in, in Britain. There's somebody that you you see as maybe an honorable person, so I don't I see maybe as Zeb as something of his species. I don't know if he's a guard per se of like a royal house. He might have just been knighted and he's just a really powerful person. Yeah, it definitely made when I was trying to think of the an EU example. Um, I was kind of reminded of Piggy from the X-wing novels. Um, although I said I didn't read the X-wing novels, I did read the the latest one that came out that was set more in the legacy era. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I got to know that character. And he's kind of the, you know, bigger brute of a character, but also, you know, intellectual and, and other, another character I kind of thought of was Kakrook. Oh was yeah. Kind of the same way he's, you know, he's kind of portrayed as, as the, you know, a larger, you know, muscle type character, but also very intellectual. So, you know, I was kind of digging a little deep there, but, just trying to find somebody, but he, he definitely looks like another unique character that's going to be on this cast. And the, the interesting part about sort of Zeb that all these characters, what fascinates me most is kind of their backstory where they're coming from. And the fact that he was an honor guard in his home planet, he's this unknown species we don't know about has me really wondering about what, where he's coming from. Why is he joining up with this rebel crew? Why did he leave his home planet? And so that, that sort of makes me think of the backstory of grand Admiral Thrawn who held a, a post in his the Chiss's like defense fleet and he was sent into exile basically for what what he did the actions he took and the way his strategies worked and i wonder if zeb might have fallen in something similar where he got exiled or if it's something entirely different like where you have him having to leave because he did something wrong sort of like jar jar who got exiled for doing that 
So I'm really curious as to why this intelligent, strong honor guardsman is actually cast out into the galaxy. I just think it's neat that we're getting somebody of a species that we don't know, kind of like Yoda, and it's kind of like all new ground for them to completely develop something entirely new for the fans. I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think it's always cool when they add a new species uh, to the Star Wars you know, world or the Star Wars universe, and hopefully we'll see other members of his species in the future. There is one species that is... Is is based off of the original concept art for Chewbacca. I just cannot remember the name of it, um, but there is one already in the EU. I think it was briefly mentioned in some guide or something that there is a species that looks like him, um, but probably a bit more furry. So they're probably not going to pull from that species. They're probably going to make a whole new species. Um, but there was a species already made based on that Macquarie art. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know more- that. Yeah, it was in one of the West End games, I believe. So what did you guys actually, think about the the accent that he's got? It's kind of that, um, I don't Australian? know if it's like a, yeah, it's an Australian or even almost like a Cockney, you know, UK accent. But does that fit to in your mind? It does for me, but I just happen to really like English, Australian, Scottish accents. So, yeah, and it kind of sure. fit for it, it kind of fit for me for like that sort of like funny warrior type of vibe they're going for. It has the the tone of the voice and the the way he's going to be sort of cracking wise about uh, taking stormtroopers heads and bashing them together and playing around with Ezra and like you know it looks like there's a in the video they're playing around with some stolen stormtrooper blasters. So it's got, he seems like he's going to have sort of a playful edge to him as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, they did talk about him having to deal with Ezra a lot, and so I have a feeling the two of them are going to kind of team up a lot in the show, and we're going to see a lot of interaction there. Although part of me would think that we'd see a lot of interaction between Sabine and Ezra, seeing as how they kind of seem to be about the same age. Maybe Sabine's a little bit older, so it'll be interesting to kind of find out how they all mix in together. I think the best piece of fan art I've seen was somebody took Zeb and made him look like the genie from Aladdin. Um, <laughs> because if Ezra and him are going to be a little thing there, they're like, oh, it should be funny. <laughs> Aladdin's been a big theme in Star Wars least recently. Which has? <laughs> Aladdin has oh. been a really big theme. We've talked about it on another podcast, too. It's sort of weird. So apparently Zeb hates Chopper. Did you guys pick that up from the videos? Yeah. So it's uh, so we can move on to our next character, who is the token droid of the group, and actually the first of the rebel heroes that they introduce to us is uh, Chopper or what is his designation? Do you guys remember C one dash one O P? I think one zero P. Yep. Okay. C one one zero P or C one ten P. Yeah. So he actually looks like a pretty cool character. I like the idea of this droid that. That is kind of a smart ass and doesn't do everything that he's told and kind of has a bad attitude. Um, and I like how they changed his voice. He doesn't have the typical R2-D2 voice. You know, he's got almost like a Charlie Brown's parents voice. Yeah, I like how it's different from your classic by-the-book astromech because you always got that little diddly-doodly of our normal astromechs. And this one, like, Chopper actually sounds like he's annoyed. Like, wah, wah. I love it. And I, I got to agree. I think the designs overall is pretty cool. Um, the voice is very different, very deep. Um, the thing that the only thing that I don't like about the character is the weird sort of antenna dish he has on top of his dome. It just looks weird to me. I don't I don't like that part of the design. Well, isn't Chopper supposed to be like he's been, you know, re- pieces on him have been replaced with whatever they could find, you know, so he's very much of a a droid that was built out of the rebellion. Yeah, maybe type his of thing. His like internal communications array was broken, so they had to put that <laughs> antenna on top of his head. Yeah, he's very Jawa scavenged kind of look to him. Now, one of the droids he did remind me of was one from the Clone Wars. Um, it was the one under Hondo uh, that had like a blaster. Like, there's a couple that have blasters stuck on their head. Oh um, yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that, where Hondo's gang clearly took an astromech and then threw a different head on it and then put a blaster. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see Chopper with a blaster, but with those little hands he has now, I'm sure he could probably pick one up and be a bit more lethal than, say, R2 can be with just his shocker and whatnot. 
it, it's kind of like the the EU some of the EU ships we got the uglies if you guys remember like the X-wing uglies and the tie fighter uglies where they sort of cobble together whatever they can find and make this gnarly looking oh, thing yeah. yeah I remember those I'm really excited about Chopper I think Chopper is going to be a really popular toy Yeah definitely I want I want one for my desk I want so. the one they showed in Germany the, the one that actually works and moves around by the R2 builders Oh the huge one Yeah I want that one I want the Lego one that's it same size I got to wonder if we'll see that at Legoland or at maybe San Diego Comic-Con at the Lego display. That'd be pretty cool. So could you guys think of any EU droids that that Chopper reminded you of? I actually couldn't think of any. He seems, you know, he's an astromech and unlike any astromech that that we've seen, most astromechs that they've portrayed in the EU are just other versions of R2. So um, I really couldn't think of anybody without stretching. It is interesting how they're taking an astromech now and they're putting a C1 designation, not a R, R something designation. Uh, possibly because it might not be a... Because uh, you got to assume R2, D2, R2, M5, R2, KT. These are all droids that are probably in a factory. There's probably maybe hundreds of them made of that designation. Um, so when you have like an R2 series, you get maybe thousands and thousands of R2s R2A1s and then R2A2s. Um, but C1 seems like a completely different one. It could have been something that if Ezra created Chopper, maybe he just put, put the name together and liked it. I don't think it's a common designation for Astromex that we've seen before. No, and do we know exactly who Chopper belongs to? I'm sorry, I think it might be uh, Hera because um, I have a feeling that he's going to be on the ship a lot and then that's that's where they meet up with him. Well, if it and it could be though, it could be Kanan's droid. If he was a Jedi commander, if he had his own Jedi starfighter, perhaps he was. That was his astromech droid. Doesn't seem typical Jedi. Doesn't think. Jedi. It doesn't seem like they would they would be giving out those type of droids unless he's just completely been destroyed throughout the years and has had to be rebuilt. There were Jedi budget cuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the end of the war when. Uh, Palpatine knew his ending. Okay, we gotta start cutting back now. We got an empire to build soon, so they can't get any new droids. They're gonna be dead soon anyway. They don't need them. So, but in the EU, droid companions are not, you know, uncommon. So we've seen characters like I five or HK forty seven, who are kind of you know unique droid companions. So those are the only characters I could really think of that that um, maybe would relate to a character like Chopper. Going back to the the book I'd mentioned earlier, the, one of my favorites, Yoda Dark Rendezvous, there is a pair of droids that are called the Tax Spec Footman Droids, and there was one of them named Solus. It's kind of the the dilapidated model, the worn down, fallen apart, had to fix himself model. So there, there's that kind of sort of similar to the way that they're having uh, Chopper portrayed so far, a little rough around the edges. Now it's interesting that you mentioned I five and HK. Uh, two very popular droids for their personalities. That's one thing I've noticed that we're not getting in Rebels, and that's something we we usually can't go in a story, a Star Wars story, without that kind of smart, smart Alec, uh, smart talking droid. Uh, I was hoping we would get some sort of humanoid droid that would uh, talk back, but I guess in this case we're going to be getting a astromech droid that's going to leap back. That is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So, uh, and then we'll, as kind of a bonus here, because we've been just talking about the the rebels or the hero characters, but we did get the introduction of the Inquisitor, which was actually the first character introduction that we got back in New York Comic Con back in October. And surprising to many, especially Expanded Universe fans, that they would use a character called the Inquisitor because Inquisitors are from the EU. Definitely an EU concept, so Rebels is borrowing from the Expanded Universe, which is good. Um, what did you guys think when this character was introduced? Were you surprised that they were using this type of a character, a Jedi hunter? Well, the, Because you're playing um, Old Republic right now, Teresa, I was wondering what elements of the Inquisitors we see in that Sith Empire we're going to see maybe with this one, because Inquisitors in the Old Republic game are everywhere you have you get to choose and they're the ones that focus on double bladed lightsabers usually they focus on manipulation force lightning things along those lines whereas your sith warrior will be more going into the fight and uh more brute strength 
So the Inquisitor is more tactical. They're more focused on the dark side and taking the full advantage of the Force. Uh, and much like the Inquisitor we have in the Rebels, has a double-bladed lightsaber most of the time. Uh, so I have a feeling we might see some parallels between the two of those Inquisitors. Knowing what I know about them from the EU and stuff like that, I think that I think that it's cool that they pulled from the EU. I just think that it's interesting because I think everybody's expecting Darth Vader to be in Rebels, and I actually believe that he will be. So it'll be interesting that we have like a Darth Vader and an Inquisitor, and I wonder how that's going to work out. Is it going to be kind of like Grievous and Dooku, or how's it really going to work? Because we've seen lots of... Uh, we've seen the Emperor Hand. We've seen in the Dark Empire comics, we saw the Dark Side Elite. And that's who it really reminded me of personally when they mentioned the Inquisitor was, uh, if you remember for the Dark Empire comics, you had like Executioner Cedrus, I believe his name was. Uh, you had that group of not true Jedi, but they were Dark Jedi doing the Emperor's build bidding. Uh, and we saw that as well with the Emperor's Hand. So we saw that with Mara Jade and Lumaya. So that's something I think it's very parallel there, that relationship between Palpatine and his minions and his armies of uh, force users. And maybe if you mentioned Vader, I personally don't think he'll be in the series, especially in Wade in the Way. But if Vader is the one responsible for them, then it's going to be uh, how does he deal with these dark side force users and whatnot. Yeah. And what, the thing that really struck me about the Inquisitors, um, having read last year, I think it was last year that we had The Last Jedi come out. Um, which was the last of the Coruscant Knights books. Um, and that, in that book, we had Jax Pavan actually go into the Inquisitor's building on Coruscant. And we do have Probus Tesla that we, I think we mentioned earlier. Um, so it's fairly recent to you. They've really used the Inquisitors. Um, so it's interesting to see him back. But I, got, I think I agree with Teresa, and I got to disagree with Andy. I think we will see Vader on the show. And I think one of the reasons is that we throughout the course of Star Wars, Whenever we see the Sith Apprentice, we do see them sort of getting tools to use and sort of building up those tools to potentially use against their own master one day. So it would make sense that Vader would be gathering either Inquisitors or other Force-sensitive that he may be training up to use as tools, just like Palpatine did with Maul when he was still an apprentice, technically. Um, so I, I hope we actually see Vader in the show, and I think based on the toys that we will see him in the show eventually. Do we know if the Inquisitor responds or um, reports to Vader or Palpatine? Like, is there anything official on that yet? I believe in the announcement of the Inquisitor, it was said that he reports to Vader. I can't say that 100%, but just going back on memory uh, from being at that panel at New York Comic Con, I believe it was mentioned that he reports to Vader. Interesting. So, so then I'm, that brings a whole different uh, element because uh, Vader, did he ever have any agents of the dark side that reported to him? I can't remember. In the EU. Um, what? The Force wasn't Unleashed. Lumaya, <laughs> wasn't Lumaya one of his agents, though? That Yes. Or, I, was she I, an emperor, or she was the Emperor's agent, wasn't I she? I think she, she became the Emperor's hand. Um, wasn't Starkiller kind of his personal assassin? Yeah, yeah, there's Starkiller. I'm trying to think of somebody else. I'm sure there's somebody else. But Starkiller well, is a perfect example of somebody who... Uh, Vader would have trained from the ground up, and then he started meddling around with clone genetics and seeing if he can make a whole army of them. And then, kind of like what Pete was talking about before, uh, Probus Tesla definitely reported directly to Vader, and they had m many interactions in that The Last Jedi comic, or not comic, but novel. You know, so Vader was basically lording over him in that whole novel. For me, the Inquisitor, when they first announced him, it immediately made me think of the the starwars.com web comics so i'm going pretty uh pretty obscure here but there was a character there called inquisitor tremaine who um, was kind of the, uh, yes. the the main bad guy in that series so that that's what it made me think of tremaine was also in the kiss scholastics novel wasn't he he may have been. I didn't actually read all of those so he he could have been in those i know i think he was actually originated in uh you know, like a, a Wizards of the Coast type of game, actually. I um, just know that name somewhere. But yeah, he's definitely been used more than just in those web comics. But I think that's where he was kind of the most prominent. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I'm excited that they're using that type of a character, the Inquisitors. 
interested to hear kind of the the canon version, I guess you could say, of what an Inquisitor is. And he can't be the only one. I really don't think that this is going to be the only Inquisitor. There's no way. We might not see it on Rebels, but I'm sure we'll see hints of it that there are other other people, other Inquisitors that would report up to either Vader or Palpatine. Because there's a lot of people who use the Force in the galaxy. And even if the Jedi Order has been wiped out, there's still going to be people who have high midichlorian counts. There's still going to be people who uh, need to be controlled. Uh, otherwise, they might become something that the Empire can't control. So I'm sure Vader would love to get in there and kill the Jedi, but then new people, new recruits, you'll put onto his side and kind of try to mold for his his nefarious deeds. Yeah, so there's definitely a ton of potential with this show. I'm really excited about it. Obviously, you guys are. You have a podcast about it. Um, what is kind of your your plan with the podcast going forward once the shows actually start airing? Are you going to be doing you know individual episode reviews every single episode uh, or more than that? Uh, the plan is to do a weekly show uh, to review every episode that comes out. I'm sure we would love to do more, but I'm sure it's just going to be a weekly show at that point. What about in the breaks, you know, between seasons? Uh, oh, don't worry. We'll we'll find stuff to talk about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we might not, depending on the news, we might not go weekly when the show's not airing, but it'll probably be at least monthly in that in that time period. Cool. Well, we really thank you guys for coming on. Uh, you know, like I said, you guys are kind of the the experts right now when it comes to rebel stuff. Do you guys have anything that you want to, you know, kind of talk about or let our listeners know about anything coming up um, or let them know where they can find you online? Well, I'm I'm pretty easy to find online. You can either go to rebelsreport.com, this is Peter, lightsaberrattling.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Morrison LR for lightsaber rattling. And I'm on there a lot talking about Star Wars usually and all the time on Rebels Report, just talking about Rebels, Star Wars Rebels all the time. <laughs> and to find me, Andy, I am at Canadian Fanboy. Uh, I live up to my name where I... <laughs> just ramble on about things that interest me and normally star wars so if you like star wars you'd probably be at least interested in something i have to say uh and rebels report pete and i tweet there all the time we're always trying to find different things inside of rebels to rip apart and find something new about so uh, but it's been a, so fantastic to be with you guys on your one year anniversary thanks for having me Teresa and aaron no problem. It was really awesome to have you guys. I always love reading your tweets and stuff, and uh, you always give me good stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thank you from me as well, guys. Um, keep up the great work on the podcast. I look forward to listening to all the future episodes this coming year. All right. Thanks for coming on, guys. Well, this has been a really fun episode, Aaron, and I know that our um, two fellow guests had to go, but we uh, we had planned on doing... Um, comic reviews on this particular episode, but because we got so in-depth with Rebels, we decided that we're going to go ahead and cut the episode here. We're going to record those comic reviews for an early March episode, so you're actually going to get at least two episodes in March, so that's pretty awesome. Um, On our official episode, which will be episode, I guess, 22, we're going to be covering Mall down. So start reading it now so you can listen to it on the episode that will come out towards the end of March. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SWBookworms. You can also email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. Like we were saying before, we've gotten a ton of great emails from you guys uh, because of this giveaway that we're doing, but we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't emailed us yet, let us know what you think about the show. And also, you can like us on Facebook. Go over there, see all of our latest updates. Also, if you want to enter into the contest, you can do that on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, we would love to hear uh, your feedback on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show there. Uh, The more five-star reviews we get on iTunes, the more uh, we can be visible to our audience out there and have other people find us. And uh, Teresa, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Ice Cold Penguin, and um, that's the same for Instagram as well. And then I also have another Star Wars show, which is Fangirls Going Rogue. It's a part of the Rebel Force Radio Network. And Aaron, what about you? And I'm at AV Goins on Twitter. Uh, the Fangirls Going Rogue, how many episodes have you guys done so far? We have done four, 
And we are going to be recording episode five this week, I believe, because we just do one a month. So, um, but if people want to hear us talk more about other things and non-Star Wars stuff and you know things like that, we do a YouTube show called Fangirl Chat. So you just look for the channel Fangirl Chat. And we talk about a lot of things um, geeky, not just Star Wars. And it's me and Trisha, and we almost always have you know some kind of really cool guest on there and stuff like that so they're just like 20 or 30 minute little little shows well thank you everyone for listening to our one year anniversary show and if you have if you didn't hear the zach giolongo interview that we did the first part of our one year anniversary celebration definitely recommend going back and listening to that great interview he had a lot of cool things to say about everything from you know the sequel trilogy to uh, tiny death star so that's a really fun interview definitely recommend if you skipped that one because you didn't read the comic go back and listen to it even if you didn't read the comic you'll get a lot of cool stuff out of that definitely and as always may the force be with you